I just see you out there, Kevin. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports. Our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Friday morning after the NBA draft. I cannot believe I'm looking at the individual who's sitting in front of me right now, Wolf, because we did draft coverage last night. I don't know what time I left, probably like 8.30, 8.45. And this guy was just getting started. <laughs> Kellen Olson is in studio. The Suns hadn't made their pick yet when I left Kellen, so I guess let's just start there. You go out there and they draft Tamani Kamara. They stay at 52. There was all this confusion nationally if that was even their pick after all that. It was and is their pick. Uh, just your initial reaction to the fact that I'll tell you what I told Wolf. I like that this guy's 23. <laughs> That's a good selling point for me. Right, yeah. When we were trying to identify potential fits, I think it came down to someone who was experienced because it had to be, not had to be, but it made a lot more sense for someone to come in who had a chance to get minutes, maybe not right away necessarily, but within the first half of their stay with the Suns. And, and that's someone who Kamara is for sure. To be clear, I was not familiar with who Tumati Kamara was oh, I'm so glad you're when, they, when they drafted him. So <laughs> I did as much prep as I could, tried to study names, things like that, but he did not come up in my um, uh, research. But with that in mind, ESPN had him as like the fifth best guy available when they picked. He was in the 60s for Sam Ficini, so this wasn't anything that was completely out of left field. And I really like the way Sam Ficini on The Athletic put it in his guide and just like watching the brief clips that I did of him. It just makes a lot of sense what the pitch is. You've got a guy who's 6'8 with a 7-foot wingspan who's pretty much perfect for what the modern power forward slash 4 is in terms of his physical stature. And then defensively, he can move his feet. He defends with his chest. He can guard two or three positions. He rebounds really well for his position. Those are two big check marks on on the on the on the rundown, and he just needs to be able to shoot. and And that's the thing that's kind of not necessarily holding him back right now. But it's that combined with the upside for like a starting role, perhaps, because that's when you talk about a guy who needs to be able to move the ball. He, he does have some passing skills, but he had a negative assist to turnover ratio. He had 100 more turnovers and assists over his four-year career uh, between Georgia and Dayton, but the three ball improved steadily. He was about a 63% free throw shooter, which isn't a great indicator, but the improvement with the three-point shot, it looks good. So if, if that just continues to go, and the way Vicini put it is, if this is a guy who hits threes, he could contribute to a team right away, and the team picking him or signing him or whatever it was going to be is just betting on that three-point shot because if they get it, they could get a guy who could help right away. And defensive-minded guys just keep coming in, right? Killer, how? Yeah, how? Um, how soon do you think we'll know about Kamara as to whether or not he can actually contribute this year? Well, you you know this, Wolf, just from like your your time in professional sports as well. For young guys especially, it comes down to one, how quickly can you understand the system that you're in? Right. And then two, how much can you take what you got up here and, and use it on the field? Because I think that's a big misconception. People out there will see guys get lost on the court or the field or whatever sport it is, right? And they'll think that the guy doesn't know what's going on. He, he probably knows what's going on. It's just taking what's going on up there and translating it out there. It's, it's a really big skill. So it, that is what it'll come down to. If he's able to really process NBA defenses and process Vogel's system, what he's supposed to do, and so on and so forth, they could get someone out who could help them out uh, next year. Because guys at his size, I think that was the, the smartest part about the pick and like the reason why I liked it the most, in my opinion, is we were talking about Chris Murray on last night's show and someone leading into the week who's a 6'8 wing who 
guards multiple positions, shoots threes, and my pitch for the Suns trying to move up to get him was, you're not going to be able to get wings like this. Like, yes, you'll be able to get like a 6'4", 6'5", wing, but guys with his size that can do what he does, and Kamara is is that. He's he's a huge wing for his size, and is really the direction the league is headed in. And again, if he, if he can knock down a shot, he can be a con- contributor right away. We're talking to Kellen Olsen. Uh, Kellen, a lot of the names that we heard as maybe hopeful possibilities for the Suns of 52, or certainly if they could trade up like a Jaime Jaquez, they'd have to have traded way up, I guess. But uh, but like, you know, Jaime Jaquez, some of these other guys, Jordan Miller, Imani Bates, they were all gone uh, by the time the Suns ended up picking. Was there anybody else that was out there when they when they uh, took Kamara that you were like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so is still out there? It wasn't so much a, a disbelief of them being out there, but the guy who went immediately after him that was Jalen Clark out of UCLA. Yeah. He was actually the one name left of the... There were five guys I looked at, more like six, because Marcus Sasser was on the other list, where we're looking at like the 20 to 35 range, really, that I was looking at, and then there were more guys in the 40s and the 50s, but some of those guys... Kobe Brown was a guy whose stock was kind of all over the place out of Missouri, and he went 30. Julian Strother was someone who was ranked in the 40s by a lot of people, went in the mock drafts in the 50s, sometimes and he went 29 to Denver so a lot of those guys went but Jalen Clark out of UCLA arguably the best perimeter defender in the draft he's coming off an injury there's not much to his offensive game at this point in his career but he's got a really set to find skill so I thought it kind of made sense for the Suns there but I, I like the pick regardless I don't really have any qualms with it and and I think if you have qualms with the 52nd pick in the NBA draft <laughs> seek mental health immediately how about Adama Sonogo did you think it, it was a little surprising where he was and the fact that the Suns didn't draft him at 52? Well, he, he, to me, he was rated higher. Well, he's the guy to bring up um, out of UConn, I believe, because yeah. what happens when the draft ends and what happens in the last latter stages of the draft is that guys begin to form out two-way contracts. And Lou Dort is an example from five years ago where Lou probably would have been drafted and I believe the reports actually came out the teams were looking to draft him but he told them don't draft me I've got a two-way agreement with OKC because he could go to OKC and play right away was on a short-term contract and could get out of that contract play play well bet on himself and then get paid a whole lot of money now three years later he's on a deal worth 20 million dollars a year good job Lou that a boy that's how it's done right there good stuff so guys like him and there are 15, 20, 25, 30 guys. We, we get that wave of notifications from Woj, Shams, and so on as soon as the draft ends because those two-way contracts start to come in about the best undrafted players. And there's a lot of guys there that have some talent. Mike Miles out of TCU was another guy that I had my eye on in terms of guys that went. But the Suns no, have not yeah, exactly. Mike the, Miles, who single-handedly took ASU out of the tournament. That Mike Miles? That guy. Yeah, okay. No, he's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Oops, did I bring him up on yeah, purpose did, with, so with Luke, perhaps? That's kind of mean. Okay. Rude. Uh, the Suns have never gotten in on this. I do not know why. I do not understand the logic behind it. But they typically leave their two-way spots open. And I believe either last year or the year before, it was more like seeing what they had on their summer league team and then offering the spots then. But with that in mind, there's a significant amount of talent that is still there in my opinion when the night ends and the Suns have never gotten in on it and I thought it was more important this year than it has been ever before because of all these limited avenues that we've talked about but they continue to not do it 
I don't know why, and you can sit here and tell me it's not a big deal, but Austin Reeves was just the third best player on the Lakers, and he was a two-way signing. So we've seen precedent for how important these guys can be in a small amount of time. We're talking to Kellen Olsen. Yeah, you know, to your point, we were seeing names linked to teams in that regard last night, right, after the draft, even kind of as the draft was wrapping up. I haven't seen anybody linked to the Suns yet. It doesn't mean that that can't happen. But in your mind now, Kellen, and I'm trying to do this entire segment with you without bringing up DeAndre Ayton's name because we talked about him for three hours last night so you don't have to take this in the direction of DA but they didn't trade him last night just now that the draft is over they've got their head coach they've got their coaching staff filled out they've added Bradley Beal they've moved Chris Paul what in your mind is the next step for the Suns this offseason it's not only like like so we're talking so much about depth and balance right it's We talk about just names and just having good players or whatever, but you have to have like a roster that makes sense. So, like, right now, like, perceptually, kind of what it seems like is guys like Torrey Craig. Jock Landale, it seems like they're they're on their way back. Not necessarily in terms of agreements by any means, but the Suns will want to pursue them. Josh Akogi is another name that's come up a lot from Gambo. So those types of guys come in and you look at who they drafted. You've got Ish Wainwright campaign back. There are skill sets that they need. Like they need some shooting. They need some playmaking. I, I understand they have a big three and those guys are going to command a lot of the offense, but you're still going to need guys who are capable offensively in other areas. So I think that on ball defense, three and D guys, like you just mentioned these roles out loud, but you got to look at the roster as a whole for what it is. And I think it's about them really assessing how that roster can come to be through free agency right now. And now, if it's possible, without trading DA, because I understand the main holdup right now has to be, do we take 30 cents on the dollar for DA, 40 cents on the dollar, whatever it is, right? Well, if you assess your roster and just don't think it's possible to fill in the holes that you need to, but you think you'll do a much better job if you trade DA, even if you take a huge hit on value for him, I think you've got to do, and I think that's the thing they've got to sort of look themselves in the mirror about here over the next couple of weeks. So it makes it more likely that he's here because he made it through the draft, correct? I believe so, but I still think that there's a really good chance that he's dealt. I I operate in that world. Maybe it'll come down to something Gambo's been mentioning for a while now, where teams go through free agency. Ah, we didn't get Chris Middleton. Ah, we didn't get Kyle Kuzma. And they still are looking for a semi-big splash. They've got an opening at center, and then they say, oh, we can get DeAndre Ayton just for like these two expiring contracts and this other guy who we don't want. Like, yeah, but that could that could certainly come up on the Suns' doorstep, and they're certainly showing patience with it right now. All right, when we come back, Kellen's going to stick around. What's going on back there? Kellen's not going to stick around. So now that we just have to go out and say it, actually, Coach Anthony Grant from Dayton is going to join us next. Oh, cool. Kellen, can you join us at 1145? Yeah, I guess. You've been bumped. (laughs) (laughs) You said, yeah, I guess. We'll get a little more insight on the Suns' newest draft pick next. I just see you out there, Kellen. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports. Our Suns mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Kellen's back. um, We're not going to bump you again, Kellen. Although it's turned out, it's totally worth it. How can you say that? You weren't the person that did it. Aaron did it. That's true. But we celebrated it on the air. She didn't like that one as much. She laughed at the yeah, I guess, from an hour and a half ago. She didn't I didn't really want to throw that. anybody under the bus. I mean, I had to hold myself accountable. I was the one doing it, so. We all signed off on it. Right in front of you, too. Uh, but you're back. And Betrayal. I want to just talk NBA draft in general. We've talked enough about the Suns and DeAndre Ayton today. And but, two brutes, hey? But just the actual uh, draft itself. So we're going to go pick by pick 
We're not going to go pick by pick. Um, what stood we, out? We were close to doing that. We, last we, we did go pick by pick last night. <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to start at number three with Scoot Henderson going to Portland and the decision by Charlotte to take Brandon Miller over him, but the potential ramifications. I mean, if you want to just go zero to sixty in a second, this could mean Damian Lillard's on a different team. And so my immediate thought is, well, hopefully it's nobody else in the Western Conference that's a contender. I think so, but at the same time, I think Portland just took the best guy on the board, and I think that that's a mentality that a lot more teams have to have. I think drafting for fit over best on the board is a luxury that you can be afforded at times, but Portland is really uh, deprived of premium talent especially. So bringing in Scoot Henderson, look, if you can't find a trade partner for Dame or Dame wants to stay... Great. Then Skook is to learn under him for a couple of months, a, a couple of years. However, it winds up going. Can they play together long term? It doesn't really matter because Dame's not going to be there in, in five years, right? Like he's looking towards the end of his career at this point. I, I loved it. I, I know that certain times we look at a guy falling to three, falling to four that we were talking about a little bit higher and we're like, man, that had to happen for some kind of reason. These teams know what they're doing. And you just look at past precedent. Like, it happens all the time. Like, the biggest example in the history of the sport, of course, is Michael Jordan when it happened with him. It also happened with Luka Doncic a couple of years ago as well when he went three. And even, like, in that draft, like, you talk about Trey Young and then even look at someone like Jaron Jackson Jr., who has gone on to be a much better pro than Marcus Bagley or DeAndre Ayton at this point. So it happens all the time in these sports. I'm not saying he should have gone number one, of course. But at number two, I thought Charlotte really screwed up not getting him. And... The way Scoot was talked about and the way that I I felt about him in in the time that I got to see him is the way that we typically grade what we expect the number one prospect in the draft to be, I thought that he kind of met those expectations. It's basically like a second number one overall pick, and the drafts are rarely that good. Like You'll remember the the draft with Anthony Edwards at the top. It's like, yeah, like that's more or less what you can expect from a number one overall pick. That's kind of where I grade Scoot, the average return there. So for Portland to get him at three, they got Chris Murray later on. They were one of my big winners, and and they had one of those drafts for me where if they're able to make a big move in this offseason, it didn't really make sense before. You know, we were talking about like getting help for Dame. I was like, I don't know. But like, if these two kids are good and they're good right away, then they could be onto something there because I really think Dame is that good. Just a quick follow up to that because I was with you, Scoot Henderson. And that's because we heard that for we heard it. And then you could see it if you got to watch any of his games that he would he would be a number one pick in a normal year. So I get it. When Benyam is there, it's not a normal year. But what exactly? I know Brandon Miller had a good year, but why? what's the thinking behind all of a sudden moving somebody ahead of Scoot Henderson when he didn't do anything to drop off? They just think Brandon Miller is going to be better. That's really what it came down to. Woj tweeted that, and I understand the appeal because with the direction the league is going in, if you can get a 6'9 guy who can shoot the way that Brandon Miller can and can potentially create and, and make offense and, and defend the way that he can, yeah, I completely get it. Like Those types of wings are incredibly valuable, but I just think Scoot's really, really, really good, and he's really good in specific areas that you need. Like You need scoring, you need playmaking, you need rim pressure, you need all these kinds of things, and I think that's what Scoot is going to be able to do maybe they were afraid of like how the fit would be Lamelo is 10 years younger than Dame so they've got some long-term questions there but again I think when you're in those positions as franchises where I think Oklahoma City for example is, is where they can choose fit right because they've got so much young talent already Houston is another one where you'd want them to go fit at this point because of how much young talent they've got I don't think teams like Charlotte or Portland were in positions to do that what other teams did you think had great drafts 
I really liked Dallas to keep it in, in, in the West. They had this kind of tricky thing that happens in drafts all the time across all sports where they've got their guy in mind and who they want to take at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, wherever, wherever they're at. They were at 10, and they got an offer to trade down from 10 to 12, and they're doing that 15-minute sweat wolf where they're like, is he going to be there? Is he going to be there? Is yep. he going to be there? Is he going to be there? Because yep. you can get my Jedi mind tricks sometimes into moving on, then all of a sudden your guy's gone and it wasn't worth it. Uh, they got their guy, Derek Lively, the second out of Duke, who 7-7 wingspan, a, a center, and what he does well is kind of what we've been talking about to bring it back to DeAndre Ayton because we can't talk enough about DeAndre Ayton on this <laughs> you show. You did it this time. I know. Uh, what you're looking for out of a center next to Luka Doncic is set screens, dive, protect the rim. Like You're looking for those three things. You're not really looking for a dynamic offensive player by any means, and that's not what Lively is going to be, but he can do those things really well and projects to do those things really well. When they moved down, they got off of Davis Berton's contract, which I believe was down for $17 million, yes. um, next year, and then they immediately got a trade exception from that, which they immediately used later in the draft to not only acquire a pick, but they got Rashawn Holmes's contract as well, which is a guy who, as we've seen in Phoenix, can do those same things. Yes. Most of the offensive side, but you can imagine him diving, catching lobs from Luka Doncic. That's pretty easy to picture. And then they got Prosper, the versatile defender out of Marquette. Luka, not much of a defender. It's okay. That kid can take some of the defensive assignments. I, I liked what they did uh, overall. And then we mentioned Portland again. Like I just, I really liked what they did as well. I, I liked those two drafts specifically. Uh, Cam Whitmore is probably the name that fell the furthest. You, we were talking about this with Vince last night on the on the draft special. You know, that was a guy that you could see him as high as number four in mock drafts last week, and he. Had ended up going 20th to the Rockets, so a nice grab there. Uh, but aside from him, it, it, any names that you look at and you're like, okay, this team probably got a steal worth where they were able to get them. I really liked, and we talked about him last night, uh, Kaysen Wallace to bring up OKC again. Just a really awesome point of attack defender, and I think that over time, what is going to become one of the more valuable skill sets, like we talk about 3 and D guys, I think if you can get a, th- a 3 and D type player that plays guard, I think that that's something that you're looking for. Because you picture a 3 and D guy in your head, you think of Mikel Bridges or you think of like Cam Johnson, right? You think of a guy that's 6'8", 7'2", wingspan, all that kind of stuff. But if you can get a guard who has strength to defend other positions with their length, I think that's huge. And so many times, these guards come in and they're young and they don't have a lot of strength. But it's hard not to watch Casey Wallace and get reminded of Drew Holiday. Now, comparing him to the best perimeter defender we've had in the league for the last five years, that's really high, lofty standards, but college defenders just aren't speaking from experience as you were sitting next to me in press boxes or whatever watching me study 17-year-olds on YouTube while the D-backs were playing or whatever, right? Like, I've, I've seen so many young defenders who don't know how to use their strength, but he does. And you send him to OKC where offensively, Wallace, more of a utility guy, can do a little bit of everything, great. Like, they've got Giddy to initiate. They've got Shea Gildas Alexander, one of the best players in the league. And then defensively, like, him and Lou Dort are pretty similar in that regard. They they got a lot done there, and I believe they got him, like, late lottery. I thought it was just, like, a perfect fit for them and them knocking it out of the parking. And I liked where he went. Who did you like better going into the draft, Asar or Amin? <laughs> Thompson. Thompson. <laughs> to be honest, Wolf, I, I didn't know much on either of them, and, and that's always kind of a weird thing that comes up, right, when the brothers get compared to each other. Like Chris Murray, someone we brought up, he gets compared to his twin brother, Keegan. That kind of stuff pops up. I, to bring up those two, though, one of them, uh, I, I believe Asar a, a is the one who went to Detroit. And just a brutal, yes. he's, a, he's a good young talent for them, don't get me wrong, but just a brutal turn of events for Detroit. And I think we have to remind ourselves often with the draft how much of this is based on luck and fortune. Yeah, Like, we can sit here and say everything we know 
know about all these guys, but it, it, a lot of them will just be the guy that they turned out to be, or, or they didn't. Like, there's no way the Suns would have, if the Suns would have known, like, the worth ethics of Bender and Chris before the draft, and they really, really understood who they were as people and workers and motivating themselves and things, like, they wouldn't have taken them. But that's just the way that it works on draft and the pre draft process a lot. So, to look at that specifically with the lottery, the Pistons went into lottery night with the number one odds, and we it's a franchise changing event. Like, think about how much San Antonio has changed as a franchise because they got Wembenyama. Detroit were the favorites to get him, and then they get the fifth pick. They didn't even get second or third where they could have gotten Scoot Henderson, who was a nice consolation prize for the teams that didn't get him. It was for Portland, and Portland was the team that moved up. So, so much of this is just based on luck, fortune, and, and we'll see in a couple of years. We'll know a lot more here in a couple of months, of course, but a couple of years down the line is really when we can start to evaluate, like bringing up DeAndre's draft, for example. Like, we're five years in. We can pretty definitively rank where those guys are, like making that kind of claim about Jaron Jackson three years ago. I think people would have said, like, whoa, pump the brakes a bit, but I think now everyone can agree on that point. He made the All-Star team last year, after all. Detroit didn't even get the first Thompson twin, after all that. <laughs> Going into the draft lottery with the first <laughs> pick, and they got the second Thompson twin. Um, as far as contenders in the Western Conference, now I know you mentioned Dallas, and, and you like their draft, but did anybody that the Suns may have to deal with in the playoffs, let's say this year, did they anybody in that group add anybody from the draft? You're like, okay, this guy might actually play a role right away. Yeah, Golden State added uh, Brandon Pajemski out of Santa Clara. He was one of the handful of guys that I was able to dive into because he looked like a guy that could be there in the 20s, 30s, and that was a spot that we were kind of wondering if the Suns could get into. Uh, that the, My favorite stat that I found when diving around for like those couple of days and doing draft research was that 44% of his threes were unassisted. So when you think about three-point shooters, you think about catch and shoot and them get receiving the ball, nearly half of his were just created by himself. And on threes overall, he shot 44%. So he was in a elite shooter and a lot of it was self-creation on his own and then you get to put him in Golden State with Steph, with Clay, with Chris and how he's going to be able to set up open looks. You look as sad as you did yesterday when I mentioned this on the show. I <laughs> wonder why they liked him. So <laughs> he fits right in exactly with what Golden State does. I think the role that they were kind of looking for out of Dante DiVincenzo, at least on the offensive end, I think that's where Pajemski can slide in for sure. I liked the addition there, but in terms of it, like really moving the needle significantly, no. And, and, and that's where I'm really interested to have this type of conversation with with you when I'm on the Wolf and Luke show next week. Well, look at look at how organic <laughs> that he made promotion. the plug happen. Look yeah, at that look at guy. That's a vertical but, tease. But looking ahead to free agency and, Cabo. and when we talk on the shows in like mid to late July, that's when we're really going to be able to assess not only the pecking order, but who really went up and down. Because right now, like Chris Paul, Golden State, we'll see. Denver got a couple of picks in the 20s and 30s, but did that really move like Golden State hitting on the right guy at 19 for now? I, we can't really say as of right now. The team that got better in the West so far is the Suns because they had to Bradley freaking deal. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of that, there hasn't really been any major movement, but I'm, I'm guaranteeing that there will be over the next couple of weeks. Gellin, great stuff as Thanks always, man. Her. Do you get to go home now, or do you have to go sit out there and wait for the next show to call you? I'm, I'm here per, like perpetually until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Right. It's that time of year. Gellin, we That's appreciate so good, it, man. man.